This is an all-over-the-road New Orleans special edition, part two of the exclusive interview with the pharmacist Dan Schneider from the Netflix docuseries. Now from the Coin Trader Studios in New Orleans, Louisiana, here's Victor Del Giorno with The Calling. Investigations. Uh, yes, is this Sergeant Fan Guy? Yes, it is. How you doing? This is Dan Schneider. I knew I was going to have an uphill battle with the police. They kind of almost have the attitude that these kind of kids maybe got what they deserved. Yeah, Sergeant Fan Guy. Thank you, Sergeant Fan Guy. What you got? Oh... Uh, I wanted to let you know that we got, uh, we found out who the shooter was on your son's case. Thank you. Do we have any witnesses on? We do have an eyewitness. Okay. Kid has picked his pitch out. We're getting ready to take a statement from him. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you, in the beginning of the show, I talk about, you know, you know, Daniel being a hero. And you, of course, you know, behind every great man is a great woman. And, um, and then, you know, we talk about, you know, did I do the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Uh, obviously you did. And, but I think, you know who the, and, and this isn't a question. I'm just going to make a statement is the real hero in this is Danny. You know, right. yes. none yeah. of this happens. None of this happens without yeah. Danny. Unfortunately. You're right. Yeah. And I will say this. I'm not that great of a guy that if I could have him back and we wipe all this other stuff off, which I hate to say it. They say I've saved a lot of lives. I think I did. I wanted my son back, you know, so sure. I, I, I didn't want this, but I did try to make the best of a horrible situation, and I knew he he would want me to. Mm-hmm. Um, how was this whole tragedy, and it was a tragedy, you know, aside from losing your son, you know, um, and wounds that will never heal. They never really, you know, it says in the show, you know, Christmas is never the same. Nothing's ever really the same. And you guys will be in my prayers forever. But how was all this, the whole ordeal, changed your life? Let me start with Annie. How has it changed your life, Annie? Well, Danny's changed. He's a little bit more energetic, getting up in the morning, trying to. He's, always, not, he's not watching Gunsmoke. No, always on the phone, talking to somebody, <laughs> always on the computer, looking up something, reading emails at night to me. Oh, wow. Listen to what these people said. They said they, I saved their son's life. Or, you know, they're asking questions about how, what can I do with my daughter? You know, she's. On drugs, you know, where can I turn to? I want to help. I want to be in your organization. Mm -hmm. It makes us feel good, you know, and I know it makes Christy feel good too, you know. Right. Uh, Hit me. Hit me with it. Yeah, my life is like (laughs) totally changed. And she's right about one thing. I I used to be a news hog, okay? And I would watch a lot of talking heads on both sides, Mm -hmm. okay? And almost every night, and it used to drive her crazy, I would watch like three hours of this. And some of it was just repeated by different talking yeah. heads, okay? But I was, like, obsessed to get little crumbs of information about this. Then I'd get up in the morning, I'd read the newspaper, and mainly the, the, the section that had the, the, the opinions and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I was, now, since this, I watch almost no talking heads, okay? I might watch a little bit of national news. I, I don't, most of the news I get now is through Facebook, but other people mm-hmm. tell me, and then I kind of check it out. You don't look at the newspaper too uh, much either. Newspapers, <laughs> they're still in the wrappers now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I'll throw them away. They're still delivering those? What are they doing? <laughs> no. we, 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 could probably, we could probably cancel Yeah, I'm getting ready to. <laughs> so, that, 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 and then, you know, you start, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, because, Recently, I got a phone call, okay, from from a guy named uh, Mike Butchicelli. 
Nice Italian boy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Any idea who he is? No, I don't. Okay, well, he's, he was Obama's drug czar. Whoa. Hmm. You, know, you know, like, like <laughs> I used to try to get, like, some little senator, state senator, to maybe open a door for me, and that wasn't easy. I got the drug czar calling me. Wow. Okay. Oh, dude, you're the man now. You better yeah. use it. Use it while you can. Yeah. For real. <laughs> I got universities want me to give their commencement address. I got, I got Ireland wants me to go speak in a Catholic cathedral in Ireland, a blue town called Deary, which is right uh -huh. above Dublin, uh, right above uh, the, yeah, Dublin, I believe it is. And then, and then they want me to speak in Italy, of course, the coronavirus is going to do some of this. And they want me to speak mm -hmm. in Australia. They want me to speak in Philippines. Uh, I got about 10 occasion speaks around the country. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I worked for like 20 years, okay, and I did those two things, but you don't see a lot of the grunt work I did, which was like mm -hmm. have a little town hall meeting or go talk at a little middle school or high school, mm -hmm. and I wrote, I wrote articles to put a newspaper to educate the public, and it just seemed like, I know I did some good, but it just seemed like it really wasn't. You were spinning it, your wheels. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't dramatic. You know, I never did, you know, people have always said, if you save one life. I mean, I like that phrase, but I, I never thought that way. To me, the price that we had to pay, I had to save more than one life, mm -hmm. okay? Oh, yeah. And, and, that's, and, and that's happening. So, you know, now I have this platform, and I got these people that, you know, that are begging to try to listen to me now, and they got open ears and open hearts and open minds, and it's just opened up a floodgate for what I think I can accomplish now. Take advantage of it. Well, Seize the I'm moment, baby. Seize I'm, the moment. Well, that's why I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning yeah. now <laughs> and, and going to sleep at 11 o'clock at night. I was sort of like a maniac. I, I, I didn't sleep for days. I was 24 hours. I've been working on a way to get her, and the way to get her was how they got out the phone. Taxi days. Are there any things in the docuseries that Netflix didn't cover that you wish they would have? Well, actually, I mentioned one of them, uh, and I kind of know why they didn't, okay? I would like them to cover a little bit more how 1201, Danny's poem against the death penalty. Uh, I should have brought a copy of it. I don't think I did, but... You know what uh, you can do? If you, if you email it to me, I'll get you my email. We'll uh, post it on the website. I will, but you know what I'll do? Yeah. I'll try to give you a couple of lines of it, okay? But okay, go. Any of it, they filmed me repeat, uh, reading that. Okay. okay. And then they knew the, the significance, okay? And then they filmed me reading another one of his poems, which is pretty deep itself, you know, but, but it really didn't have a direct impact on the, the case. 1201 saved the kid's life, maybe, okay? Wow. It, it, it structured a lot of what I was going to do. And they chose not to do that. Now, and I, I think it's because it would have taken them a lot of time to set it up. There were so yeah. many things that they were trying to get in. I just don't think they could get that in. So I kind of forgive them. Mm -hmm. But that hurt because it's a significant poem, and people now uh, are, are thinking about is the death penalty the right thing to do, okay? And, and I know that's a little controversial, but the truth is I had a conversation with my son about the death penalty before he wrote that poem, okay? And he was completely for it and, uh, against the death penalty, and I was for it. And so we debated like father and son. <clears throat> Maybe it was an argument, actually, okay? And so finally I said, okay, Danny, you win. I said, I said, I said, they probably shouldn't be a death penalty because you know what? It takes like 13 years, okay? Spend fortunes of dollars, okay? The people in the neighborhood that where he killed somebody, most of them are dead or moved. I said, it has no deterrent effect, okay? So I told him, I said, you know what the problem is, Danny? They ain't killing them fast enough. 
Mm. Well, he got pissed off about that. Sure. (laughs) Okay. It sounds like he would (laughs) have. Well, I mean, he had a different take. I mean, uh, to me, it it was a mechanical thing, or maybe that's not the right word, but if you could get a result, it was okay taking their lives. Okay. He had this intrinsic nature about himself that that we didn't have the right to take anybody's life, no matter what. Mm. Okay. Unless it was Mm -hmm. self-defense. Yeah. Okay. And it isn't self-defense anymore. I mean, the Catholic religion now says no death penalty because they used to couldn't lock people up and secure them. Now they can. Now I know there's the rare breakout and all this other crap, but you know, generally speaking, you put them away, they're never going to kill again. Okay, as long as it's put away and can't get out. Okay? Yeah. So, so twelve or one was just you know. I even asked Danny. I said this. I said Danny. I said if your mom or your sister were killed, you wouldn't want the death penalty. No way. Wow. Now I'll just give you. Just a little bit. I, I'm not going to be able. I used to have it memorized, but I don't quite anymore. But I can give you a couple lines. Okay, okay? great. So it's 12:01 a.m. is the title. Okay, number one, Danny died at 12:08 a.m. Well, excuse me, he was pronounced dead at 12:08 a.m. He died before that. Okay, now I don't. Was it 10 minutes before? 15 minutes? 20 minutes? Before? I don't know. Okay, mm-hmm. but he might have died at 12:01. It's damn close. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so in any event, he. Uh, <sighs> He wrote the poem, and it starts off, wrong turn. It's like a mystery story. You just, just right there. It's been a mystery story, and there was a wrong turn. And it was, you know, I read this to Jeffrey one time, and he said Danny took a wrong turn. Well, Danny actually did, okay? But Danny's wrong turn was to buy a drug. He was addicted, apparently, okay? And he had to have this drug, right? Mm-hmm. Jeffrey's wrong turn was... Killing somebody, mm-hmm. okay. So you know, it, but you know, it does apply to both sort of, okay. Yeah, Wrong turn, yeah. and then life burns. Well, well Danny's dead. <laughs> he he had fire shot into his head, okay. And 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 Jeffrey's life is, you know, not not too good either. So, and then it's crazy. But then he says something about as Stephen King writes his down his words of glory. Critics rave. The body of a killer would be placed in his long-awaited grave. The parents of the victims paid a high price of admission to watch his pain. Their satisfaction is guaranteed, so everyone claims. A flip of the switch in the dark of the night, a life, a life taken for spite. The light turns dark, new killers are born. And, and then it finishes with this, his, but this is really... A blockbuster movie, isn't it? Or is it? It's like a clairvoyant poem. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy. Not high school, he wrote that. But it was yeah, wrong. I mean, you know, if you don't, it's like you said, you know, it looks like God was all over this thing. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah, I think so. In my opinion, the U.S. Attorney's Office was not moving fast enough. They don't see people... They don't see families destroyed by the opioid crisis. How's uh, Christy doing? I know you got two grandkids now, and she's doing well. Uh, she's still got her bad days, you know. Mm-hmm. And with the doctor series coming out and everything, it's all coming back to and right, right. She's how still old? Like how old was she then? She was what? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, and they were so close. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a lot of friends together and everything. They so. didn't uh, They didn't really fight much, like. I fought with my sister. Okay, right, right. I'm not saying they never had a fight, but they they they, they were really close. And Christy was shy back then, 
And Danny was fairly shy, but the girls pulled him into the social life, okay? And then he became friends with a bunch of people. So Christy's whole social life was based upon Danny's social life. So when she lost her brother, she also lost her social life and most of her friends. Yeah, it said in the show that all of her girlfriends used to love Danny. Yeah, one of them did. Absolutely. She'd get mad at that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was. One of her girlfriends actually started going out with him, and she mm-hmm. was pissed off. You know, like, stole that, was, my girlfriend. That, was, that was good for Danny, though. Yeah. Yeah. That was good for Danny. My crazy dream of Tunnel of Hope, that I could maybe make a difference or, or be a part of something that could make a difference, may very well become a reality. Uh, tell me about Tunnel of Hope. Uh, that's another really, really interesting story, uh, Shortly, it's crazy, but the day that we, uh, the day that Jeffrey was sentenced, we came home and my answer machine was beeping. And I answered it and it was Danny's uh, English teacher. The English teacher he had when he wrote 401. That English teacher put it in a binder together with a bunch of other good poems mm-hmm. called the Hannon Hawk. So he was recognized as being one of the better poems from, from his class. And so... I had told him early on, I said, at some point in time, I want to try to do something to educate kids. So now he has no idea what's going on. We just left the courthouse. Kid goes away in, in, in handcuffs. He's going to go away for thir- 15 years, but 13 and a half ma- uh, minimum. And so he says, well, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with the case, he said, but uh, we have having Red Ribbon Week, and it's like maybe 10 days from now. And he said, uh, you know, if, if you're not ready, you can just come and sit in. If you're ready, we'd like you to speak. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just almost like the Cleggett thing. It was kind of like, well, wait a second. I was supposed to get a break here. I prayed on it. I think I talked with my wife about it. And uh, of course, sometimes I didn't talk to her because she would have told me no. But but then anyway. You wind up talking anyway. <laughs> so so, so anyway, the next day I called him back and said, yeah. And I gave this great, great talk at Hannon, and they videotaped, and they say it was the best talk that I ever had. We had Danny's picture there. We had one of his friends. You know, really, his sister was there. Uh, I mean, it was great. Well, anyway, we leave, and we go to Walmart, okay? And we in Walmart, and she's buying a a frame for a picture that we had. It was one of the last pictures that we had for Christmas. And it was a picture in the Roosevelt Hotel with that halo of lights, okay? Notice the halo, okay? Uh And my son and his girlfriend... And my wife, and my, we were all in this picture, and there's this halo. Well, it didn't really quite hit me, okay? But I think it's subconsciously it did. And then, so people come up to her and say, geez, you did such a great job, great job. So she picks this frame out. It's, it's kind of crazy. She had to do this, I guess, consciously, but I don't know. She picks this frame up, and it's circled with writings, like one person can make a difference. If it's if it's in, nothing's impossible without God. I mean, it's got all these motivational things, and she puts that picture in that frame, and and, and we put it on a table or something, and it just kind of. So in any event, and now I'm going on this mission now. At that point, not to shut doctors down, the educational mission, so to, to teach parents and teach kids about drugs and whatnot. And so then every day I go to work, I'm trying to think, what am I going to name this thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so. Every day I go to work, I'll go through these trees on Highway 39, and it's a, 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 there's a bunch of oak trees in a line, and it kind of closes the, closes off. And it's kind of, it kind of like hit me. I said, you know, you know, you know, these problems we have is like a dark tunnel, okay? But there's light at the end of every tunnel, and that light is hope. 
Okay. Right. And so even like when my son's point, when he said the light is gone, new killers are born, the day turns black, you know? And so it just was a natural. And so we started with Tunnel Hope uh, and have carried it forth ever since. Well, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, this calling that you have, this uh, thing path that God's got you on, you know, this might be a ride. You're not going to be able to get off of for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. She's worried about that. You know? <laughs> and, and I promise now, because I've been obsessed about a lot along the way, and I've kind of promised Todd that I'm going to throttle this. And I hope I can, okay? And then maybe I can because right now the grandkids are staying with us, and they'll come up to Grandpa and say, you're on the phone all the time, Grandpa, Okay, <laughs> which, which I am, okay? And yeah. so then all of a sudden I put the phone down, and I go in the backyard and put them on the swing. Yeah, And so, you know, I, they bring me back to reality. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do my best. It's, but but it is time to make hay, too, so I'm going to have to push. Yeah, and I, and I think you're the man for the job. I mean, I think that you're the perfect man for the job. So, you know, anything, any regrets, anything you would have done differently? <laughs> and then don't pull any punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I could have figured out that my son was doing the drugs. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, the only thing we'd ever known was, was marijuana. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously, in hindsight, after there were some signs, and he kind of misled me a little bit too. I asked him even if he was doing drugs because he had done a few things that bothered us that seemed unusual, and he told me he said, "No, I'm depressed." So I treated it. I thought I was relieved when he said that. Okay, the other crazy thing he'd said was, "I said, well, son, are you suicidal?" He said, "No," and he said some great things. He said, "Dad," he said, "No, I got great parents." I got a great life. I got a new truck. And, you know, that was a gift, too, for him to say that. And this is shortly before he dies, okay? And he also told me, I'm depressed because I don't know what I want to be, okay? And so I told him, he was thinking about being an architect. He was thinking about being a weatherman, you know, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, I said, look, let me take some pressure off. I said, look, I don't care if you're be a, be a uh, driver for a truck or something, or you milkman, or you uh, just any you know, just make a decent living. You know, I'm fine with that. I said, so why don't you choose drafting, okay, instead of just thinking of architecture? And if worse comes to worse, you're a drafter. They make a pretty good income. And so that seemed to relieve him. And actually, he came downstairs like maybe the next night or something. This is only a couple of days before he dies. He comes down like the next night, and he tells us, he said, you know, Dad, I think you're right. I'm going to focus on just drafting, one in a little step at a time. Okay, and of course now we, we now know in the background he's doing drugs, so he's kind of in trouble. But but I didn't know that, and I, I feel relieved, and he seems to be relieved. A bunch of things he did was like things he had. He went and got his contact lenses that have been bugging him for three months to go do. He always bugged him to cut the grass. He went and cut the grass without us asking. So, so the other thing he tells me, he says, Dad, he says, you know, I said I want to be a draftsman. He says, but, you know, I'd like to do some part-time writing. And later we find all of his writings mm-hmm. in, with great wisdom. And he says, there's something else I'd like to do. He said, I'd like to try to encourage kids not to try drugs. And, you know, when he said that, when he said that, I said, this kid gets it. Daddy's been telling him that. But we now know, and it's sad, sadly, is is he had in his mind that, you know, Daddy, you you, you warned me, and I'm trapped. Mm -hmm. And it's, I regret that he didn't feel like he could 
Fellas. Fellas. Right, right. Okay. And so uh, I think that's another message to parents, okay, to, to, to make sure they know uh, that you can tell them. I think he should have known that. Okay. Obviously, I got mad, but, you know, God, we ought to work with the kid, you know. You I mean, have to you know. tell your parents how you mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. Right. And, and also, friends. We got another little concept we got out of this. We had a bunch of friends that knew he was doing this. And when everybody says, yeah, okay. Well, most of them wouldn't do it to crack, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is, and then going to the ninth ward to buy it, okay, you know, it's crazy, you know. So at the funeral, some of these kids said, Miss Danny, we like to carry his coffin. At that time, I didn't know exactly who knew, who didn't do it. Later on, I would find that, get graveside confessions and whatnot, learned about his drug use and whatnot. And so I, I thought about it, and then I said, no. I said, I got family members. And I let one kid carry his coffin, and this was a kid that came to us one time and said, you know, Danny's smoking pot, but he seems to be doing it a lot. He seems to be wasted a little bit. So I really appreciate that. And we approached Danny. We had a little intervention about it and whatnot, okay? Well, now I think, well, we got five family members. You need six. So I asked that kid. Well, a couple of days later, we up in a, my, my game room where they used to play pool with all of his friends, and I'm, I'm grilling them. What the hell did y'all know? What the hell? How did this happen? What was he doing? How long was he doing it? Okay. And one of the kids says, Mr. Danny, how come you didn't let us carry the coffin? I said, you guys carried the coffin before he died. Mm-hmm. And so the message that I got there, and look, my son would have probably not said anything either. Okay, so, you know, it, it's that's one thing I'd like to change. I'd really like to change that it's the right thing to do. The concept is friends care, don't cover. Friends mm-hmm. care, don't cover. That's good. And, and I, I want to get that into educational minds. And, you know, if we can only get 10% of the kids to think that way, even the good kids that don't do drugs, they usually know who is. They yeah, also yeah. know who's selling it. Okay. And these good kids say, well, I'm not going to do it. But they say, but I ain't saying nothing. We could unravel this thing. The kids know more than the cops do. They, you know, you can get shunned a little bit if, if you're so-called rat. Okay? Mm-hmm. But there's anonymous ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay, These kids could have dropped a note in my box, okay, in my mailbox. Hey, I hate to tell you this, but Danny's doing crack and he's going in the ninth ward. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe some parents would have said, well, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd have found out. I, well, we I'd know, we know now you would you. have. I went home and I remember taking the first Oxycontin and it made me feel great. Back with more of The Calling with Dan Schneider, the pharmacist, right after this. All Over the Road, New Orleans is brought to you by Cointrader, Inc. For real-time prices on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, 24-7, go to goldpricesnow.com. That's goldpricesnow.com. Now, here's part two of the All Over the Road, New Orleans special, an exclusive interview with the pharmacist, Dan Schneider, from the Netflix docuseries. I'm Dan Schneider, and I'm a pharmacist. I can almost remember every piece of my life. I have hundreds of hours from wiretapping phone conversations about what happened to me. My son was murdered, buying crack. The police have the attitude that these kids maybe got what they deserved. But I was determined to get the killer off the street. And if the police wasn't gonna do it, I was gonna do it. 
At first, my mission was to get justice for my son. But then I started noticing in the drugstore a lot of kids around my son's age coming in with high-powered opiate prescriptions for Oxycontin. Word on the street was, it's just heroin and a pill. There was a certain doctor using her license to virtually decimate my community. I couldn't look the other way. There was a rumor that there was a pharmacist making a lot of noise, and that's not good for business. He had questions all the time. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? There were boxes and boxes of materials. All right, Dan, we're not being recorded again, are we? No. The DA and FBI was neither incompetent or in cahoots. I just knew that people were making money. If there ever was a smoking gun, that was it. I am being followed. We sounded crazy. I think they waving a gun at me. Well, be God, and hopefully anybody else who hears this, because I'm losing it. When I saw this opiate epidemic in its infancy, I'm not going to let this drug continue to kill me. What about when Danny, uh, what did he grow up? What was out? Oh, boy. Jesus, that's another story. Jesus. God is all over this thing, okay? So, anyway, we go to Mordegor. He, he dies in April. Mordegor's in March. We go out with his girlfriend and whatnot. And, you know, hey, we typical New Orleans people. I go up there to see the sights, as you might say. And we go there early in the morning. And we really don't want to catch the parade so much. We, we're going to come back early, but. So we go up there and we're walking through the French Quarter, seeing some sights, and you know, they got these guys carrying crosses. In there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so, and I, and you know, I, I'm pretty tolerant, and so I don't really ridicule these guys, okay, but I kind of think to myself, what the heck are they doing out here? Yeah. So, in any event, I get a little bit in front of Danny, and Danny falls back, and everybody was just Danny Brown, so he gets caught by one of these guys. Okay. And he, he stops to talk to the guy, okay? And I'm kind of overhearing it and watching it, catching some of the words, because maybe he's here, maybe he's 20 feet away, okay? And So, so y'all are in the corridor, because this uh-huh. happens in the corridor, yeah, right? It's right yeah. in the French Quarter, yeah. right, okay. right in front of St. Right. Louis Cathedral. Right. I think that's where we catch it. Or it might have been bourbon, okay? But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, he, he catches Danny, and I see him talking. In fact, it turns into a little bit of an argument, not a nasty argument, okay? But kind of like this guy says this, and Danny says, but this, and, you know, that kind of thing. And then at the end, the guy says... Brother, will you pray with me? And they said to they said to send his prayer together. Okay. Now the minute Danny died, now you can remember now when I saw that, I didn't make too much of it. Danny was that kind of kid. He would be polite. Okay. Probably didn't agree with the guy. Probably thought the guy was weird. Okay. I don't know why he said this. Maybe just to make the guy feel good. Okay. But after your kid dies too, you say, "Well, Jesus, he was doing something wrong." You know, did he go to heaven? And the truth is, if you the Catholics don't say this so much, but but most people say that if you say the sinner's prayer, which is you know I believe in Jesus and I, please forgive me my sins and I, you know I'm, I'm going to change my life. Okay, that that's your ticket to heaven. Okay, I got to see that. Mm-hmm. I, you know how did I get to see that? Also, I now know the purpose of those guys. Saving people. You got to understand. Oh, no, that's why they're there. They're there to plant seeds. and. Well, no, but not everybody dies within three weeks. Yeah. Okay. And and the fact that some kind of way they attracted my son and he said that is, I don't know, it's just part of this crazy, almost divine type of thing. It's almost a method to this thing. God did it. 
And, and all that has motivated me. It, it, it is because I just feel like something's going on here. I've been called. Okay, my, maybe unfortunately my son's been called. Now, I don't believe God said, okay, I'm going to kill Danny, okay, so, uh, so that you can go do all these great things. But I think he gave me the strength, and he let me see things like that. Let me see the good in Danny. The fact that he was, you might say, almost innocent, okay? Uh, it, 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 I just feel like that's what I had to do. Well, yeah. what did God do to reconcile people to him? He gave his what? His only son. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I know. And I, and I don't like to quite make those analogies because I'm, not in, <laughs> no, that, but it's I'm an, not in that league, okay? No, but, I know. It's, it's not in your league, but, but it's, it's, no, it's no, true. No, it, I was it, thinking yeah. about Abraham and Isaac and, and that kind of story. And, and I mean, the, the payoff from it, essentially, I mean, you can kind of correlate the two stories, you know, together. A- absolutely. But, you yeah. know, the truth is I've been getting hundreds, if not thousands of comments. Yeah. There's been a few comments that have said that. Yeah. Oh, I believe that, it. That have referred it. to Jesus, you know, and, you know, uh, I guess I'm flattered, but I don't want it to go to that extreme. I mean, there's, there's no comparison. No, well, you can rest sure. assured on this podcast, none of that will be cut out. Okay, good. None of it will be cut out. Well, that's, you might say this. I wanted a little bit more God in that docuseries than we got. Now, we did get some. Definitely. That we got some, okay? Mm-hmm. But I wanted a little bit more. But in all fairness, I, I, know, I know the game. You know, you know, if they make it too religious, then you turn some people off. You know, not yeah. everybody feels the way Christians do or believers do, okay? And so I think they, they struck a pretty good balance. But now that I got this, in fact, they told me this, and, and they, they were dead right. I didn't buy it completely. I said, yeah, but man, I want this thing to send messages. One message, believe. You know, one, yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, look, you'll have a chance after. You'll have a platform after. And I'm going to go, yeah, sure. Okay. Well, I got a platform. That's okay. Cool. So they were dead right, and everybody loved it. Atheists loved it. <laughs> Christians loved it. <laughs> Jews loved it. Uh, you know, everybody. I have had calls from India. Okay? Wow. India. I've had calls from uh, Saudi Arabia. I've had calls from... Uh, Australia, Australia, no, no, Philippines. but I, weird. Egypt, Cairo, Egypt, have caused uh, Cairo, mm-hmm. Egypt, uh, Israel. Uh, it's 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 crazy, <laughs> you know. So I don't know, you know. I, there's been times when I thought after Danny died that you know maybe this story is so powerful, or maybe God is directing this, and maybe I can really make a significant difference. And then I kind of thought I couldn't, you know, you know, because I wasn't making much ground. Now it looks like maybe I can. You know, maybe that dream, maybe that dream is possible. You know, it would really be neat three years from now to look back and maybe we got 50% of the problem and me and Danny had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And of course, now understand, I don't want to take that much credit. The only way that we're going to do this, it may, maybe one guy gets it started, okay? A lot of people got to jump on a bandwagon. We're not going to do this by ourselves. The county is joining a growing number of local governments suing opioid manufacturers. Florida heading to court today to take on opioid drug makers and distributors. It is a new day in Oklahoma in our battle against the opioid epidemic. In Michigan, over 1,600 people died of opioid overdoses last year. 1,375 Texans died. Opioid addiction is a public health menace to South Carolina. The gross misconduct enabled countless New Yorkers to obtain prescriptions that were not medically necessary. Their strategy was simple. The more drugs they sold, the more money they made. Nearly 2,000 lawsuits have been filed against Purdue Pharma. I'm one of the senior lawyers involved in representing most of the local governments uh, in South Louisiana, including St. Bernard, against the opioid industry. After this tremendous journey that I've been on, 
I become aware that Walter Leger, my good high school buddy, okay, is is the attorney that's representing St. Bernard Parish, and it relieved my burden. I finally had somebody that could make something happen. Walter was a guy that could make these guys pay. Well, you have our help, and anytime you want to come on the show, you're welcome. And I'd like to do Thank a follow-up at some point. I you appreciate know, that. Let you know how things are going. Yes. We didn't get into uh, uh, Purdue Pharma, but no. they got what they had coming to them. Okay. Congratulations well, on taking them scumbags down. I mean, the, the, the part in the docuseries about that salesman talking about, you know. That was remarkable. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, everything he, comes he down was, to money. He was great. Oh, yeah. yeah he was great. He was, he was really good. Yeah, this was is really one good. point that I want to try to finish up with. Okay. People say, what's the next step? Okay. And the, the next step is this. Okay. Yes, I want to do the education thing. And yes, I hope the police get on a stick and start shutting doctors down and they start showing respect to, to, to kids that die from drugs. Mm. Remove that stigma and that, that there's more treatment, more resources directed to this. But what I also want to do is I want to develop what I'm going to call a people's lobby, okay? Which means if, if, if I get a bunch of people to join this thing, I mean, some of them are going to be active, some of them will be volunteers, some of them just give donations, some of them are going to pray, okay? Uh, but a lot of them are just going to give me their name and their email. And if I can amass like a million of these people, Okay, and I think big. Okay, and I, then all of a sudden, a company like Purdue wants to try to lessen the law so that they can push one of their crappy things ahead. I'll be at that table, and mm-hmm. and I won't be able to give the, the congressman or the senator the money that Purdue can give. Okay, but I can tell the senator. I said, well, you know what? I got a voice here too. We're not going to give you any money, but I got a million people that if I send an email to these million people, okay. They can make your life miserable. Mm-hmm. If I ask them, a lot of these are parents that lost kids. If I ask them to, to have demonstrations throughout the country, we'll do it. And I don't know if that's going to change things or not, but that, there's another side. Mm-hmm. Who is representing us? Exactly. So, I, I'm, I'm, I want to be in your, your, your group. Okay? Amen. And, you know, right now this is kind of timely because the coronavirus. Right. And if you, if you take a look at all the uh, people that died from opioid overdoses and compare that with the people that are going to die from this coronavirus, there's no comparison. Yeah. You know, I don't, the government, uh, corporate America is doing nothing, nothing. You're right. You're right. And so. It's all about money. Blessings on you. I think something's going to get done. I think you're the right man for the job. Okay, just yeah, your, I know just you're your persona. Up. You know, I always say one more thing. Okay, well, no, no, I'm not wrapping up. Go okay, ahead. Okay, okay, but no, no, I want you to wrap up. We, we got to move on. Okay, <laughs> I got another appointment to go. Okay, yeah, but, I bet you do. But, but, but I'm going to say one other thing. This is not a coincidence either. When I had, a, I've almost never had a lawyer, but when I started signing the contracts with Cinemart and Netflix, you got to get a lawyer. So I look up an entertainment lawyer and I stumble upon this lady named Suzette Teledano. Her office happens to be on the top of the House of Blues. There you go. Love strange. it. Cool. Though, yeah. Know? Love yeah. it. Love it. So, so any event, she she really gets into it. She buys the story. And of course, I mean, she still charges me, but but a reasonable rate, okay? <laughs> but she really goes to work and she helps us solidify this thing. And I think she's got us protected. And she, you could tell she just cared. And she said, well, when this thing comes out, let me know. Well, I kind of forgot about it. A year and a half goes by that they're working on this thing. And and, and then it breaks, and it's early on. It's maybe the, five days after it breaks, and things are looking good. We're starting to hear a few things, but, you know, I, I still didn't know that it was going to be total blow-up. 
So we're laying in bed. It's 1030 at night. And the phone rings. It's Suzette. <laughs> Annie, you, you, you can't believe this thing. It's, it's unbelievable. I, all my friends are talking. He says, I even talked to somebody out of state. They know about it. And I, I, I just, I'm just so proud of you. And Jesus, did you think it would be this big? And I said, well, no, no. He says, look, she says, you know, you, guess what? You think that's good? I got something else for you that's great. And I said, what? She says, I just signed Miss America. I represent Miss America. I said, so? <laughs> Miss America is a pharmacy student. Her platform is opiates. Dude, that's awesome. Wow. So we're going to get together with Miss America. Cool. Okay, now how, how the hell does that happen? Okay. <laughs> uh, if she, you need a studio, uh, you can bring her over here. She went to VCU, which is Virginia Commonwealth. Right, okay. right, right. She's Miss Virginia, okay. That college calls me up to give the commencement speech. Wow. Uh, this weekend, I met with uh, some Democratic friends, and I'm t- this weekend, I'm going to meet with some Republican friends, mm-hmm. okay? And who did they have there? Mark Warner. Oh, really? He's from Virginia. Yeah, yeah. He's a senator. From, I mean, yeah. like, you know, like, bing, 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 you know, <laughs> like, you know, so, so you know, hey, what are the chances that you're going to have a pharmacy student win Miss America and that she's going to have same that platform? Year you, same every, year everything, you. Everything's, everything's just falling in line for yeah, you. Yeah, it really is. The it, stars it, are aligning. It, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say this. Along the way, though, a lot of this times, I thought God was on my side. But, but boy, it was hard. And so I would many times say, okay, God, yeah, you're helping me out every day. Why are you making this hard? Why don't you just let it happen? <laughs> What's crazy now is it's almost like he's laying stones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get a, a little setback there, okay? But but right now, it's just going smooth. It's it, it's like, like you know, we, he wants us to make a difference, and he wants us to do it pretty fast. 130 a day are dying. Jeez. 500,000 have died since my son died. Take that, coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, now, you mentioned the lawyer and everything. We're going to wrap up here. Who are some of the people that you'd like to thank that had, didn't really get recognition? Just g- give me some names because this is, yes. you know, this is, gonna, this is something that's never going to go away. When we put the button, this is going to go up on YouTube, but then we're going to have the, the full show, the two-part series. It's going to be produced. It's going to be all, you know, it's going to be right. flashy. It's going to be all flashy I, I, and I'm glad you did that because yeah. I haven't had a chance. To, you know, it, it, they look at me as like some superhero that, that did this all by myself. Nobody ever does it by himself, okay? You know, in, in the Ninth Ward, I had some bad cops, mm-hmm. really bad cops, horrible. That's another big story. But in any event, I also had some blacks in that community that stepped up, mm-hmm. surprisingly. As bad as that community is, the witness stepped up, the church went out and walked the streets with me. So, you know, th- that's one that I like to think those people. One of them is Reverend Reed, particularly. Yep. That's the guy that actually yeah, walked the streets him, with yeah. me. Okay? And, but there's a lot of unknown people that I can't name that, that helped out. Then I'd like to thank, my, of course, my family you know, mm-hmm. for sticking with me in that. And then, obviously, i got to thank God, okay, because none of this would have happened. And the, the other thing... Shane. It, 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 well, yeah, Shane, the witness. Excuse yep. me, Shane, Shane Matting, the witness. We have a GoFundMe uh, account for her right now. Oh, really? I, like okay, I want to know about that. M-A-D-D-I-N-G. Okay. So in any event, also, she, what I want to think is, in St. Bernard, I, I got little help from New Orleans, although there were a few good cops there, too, okay? And at times, they helped a little bit, okay? But St. Bernard helped as much as they could, even if it was out of their jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there were some things they did help me a little bit with that case. But they also helped me a little bit with the Dr. Cleggett case. 
Uh-huh. Jack Stevens authorized me and a good friend of mine who was, who was a captain on the force to actually go out and use this truck that they have that has different cameras. And one time we actually used the St. Bernard truck <laughs> to videotape because Jack wanted me to get it to the FBI. He wasn't going to give it to the FBI. He, he thought it would be more credible coming from me. But, but I had security. And usually I wouldn't go behind the building because if you go behind the building, you could get trapped. Okay. But we went behind the building because my buddy was a cop and he had a gun, okay, and, and he had this big massive uh, SUV. So, so Jimmy Pullman is a person okay. to think. Jack Stevens is a person to think. Good a guy, man. Named, a Good guy man. named Chad Clark is a guy to think. And then the prosecutor for the medical board is a guy named George Papali. Uh, he Love was George. George was yeah. was a tremendous guy that worked hard. And I know him. Oh, Robbie Termini. Oh, uh, Robbie. Yeah, Robbie. We didn't Robbie. talk about Robbie. Yeah, Robbie yeah, was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he was. He was. And, you know, you know, the kids has had, had some problems in the past and maybe even still isn't the, the most perfect person. But he bought into this thing. Mm-hmm. And one thing he did for me was, you know, everybody thinks he was this great investigator with me, which, which he was to some extent. But what he really was, for some reason or other, when I would talk to Annie about this or anybody, and I was in this animated state, I, I, I couldn't relate to them, okay? And Robbie could relate to me. He, you know, it was, it was like you thought you were crazy. Like, nobody sees this, okay? And Robbie would say, uh-huh, you're right. You're right. It's not bad, Danny, <laughs> okay? You're not crazy, okay? And so bouncing it off somebody that, and maybe because he was in that world a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, no, he did, and can, can we forget anybody? Naturally, my daughter. You, of course, yep. Uh, anybody else? Damn. I'm kind of, I don't, you know, I'm sorry if I forgot somebody, but any of that, uh, that we, we, we had, we had help. Well, um, our, the sponsor of our podcast is a company called Coin Trader Inc. All right. It's a precious metals and rare coin firm. And on behalf of them, uh, they want to make a thousand dollar donation to Tunnel of Hope. Oh, I appreciate wow. that. So Thank we're going to do that. So you leave our studio with a, with a, with a valuable prize. We'd like to give away valuable prizes from our favorite um, sponsor. <laughs> Uh, I want to thank you, Nick, our executive producer, for helping me for this. And this is thank a, this this is a, bl- a this blessing, been, honestly. This has yeah. been a complete honor yeah. to have you here. I mean, right. and Annie, God bless you. You're going to be in our praise. Dan, you are the man. Okay. <laughs> I mean, God chose the right person. Well, you know, the, the Jono name is a pretty good name. And, uh, well, thank you. And, and your dad you. was, a, was a great guy. So uh, it's fitting that uh, we're talking right now. And uh, I, I think together we're going to accomplish it. Either I'm way. with you. Anything you need from me. The New Orleans Del Giornos. We want to hear, be here to help. So thanks a lot. Um, if you or anyone you know has an opioid addiction, um, please contact tunnelofhope.org and get yourself some help. God bless you, everybody. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us for this All Over the Road New Orleans Special Edition, part two of the exclusive interview with the pharmacist Dan Schneider. If you or someone you love has an opioid addiction, you can get help at tunneloflove.org. All Over the Road is a presentation of Coin Trader Inc. Mind your money.